My name is Haley Winter. You are listening to How's the Pressure, my podcast about what happens behind the scenes in the massage world. So today, I'm talking with Stacy Brown. Now, Stacy is a longtime massage therapist uh, with over 20 years of experience in both spas and private practice. And I wanted to have someone on with that type of experience to deal with what we're going to talk about today, which is a conversation I have been trying to have for a very long time. And I think it's one of the most topical and potent subjects within the massage industry. Uh, we're going to be talking about sexual advances. Now, as for why I wanted to have this conversation, well, because most people want to know about it. It's the first question I get asked at parties. That's what I get asked from students. I also wanted to have this conversation because the subject matter is delicate. It's emotional. It's awkward. And it's provocative. And most of all, it's scary. I mean, it's scary for massage therapists who are waiting for it to happen to them. And it's scary for me to talk about because I feel like I'm opening a can of worms and I may not have all the answers to what comes out. However, that's the reason to have this conversation, to figure things out. So bear with me and I welcome your comments and suggestions. And although I'm, I'm happy with how this conversation played out, um, I do know that I will likely revisit it in the future. So here we go. My conversation with Stacy Brown. All right. Today we have with us Stacy Brown. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you. So uh, we're here to talk about a touchy subject, no pun intended. Yeah. And so with our subject being sexual advances today and therapists both trying to avoid them but dealing with them when they actually show up, um, in your experience, how... How often do sexual advances happen in the typical spa? I don't think they happen as often as people either might be afraid that it happens or fear that it happens, um, considering how many um, clients we get. I've worked at two spas, uh, pretty large spas, one at Pebble Beach. It's 22,000 square feet with about 17 treatment rooms, so a lot of people in a day. Um, and now at a little smaller spa in the city um, with half of those rooms and half of that availability with staff. Um, you know, a lot of it does fall. Um, I think what keeps the numbers maybe a little bit at bay is that the more seasoned, trained, confident therapists you have, I think they tend to let some of the nuances, some of the gray areas kind of just go, don't mm-hmm. say anything, mm-hmm. um, or they shut it down. Um, and it doesn't get reported. Um, so I don't hear much of it. What we end up hearing is uh, our situations in rooms that um, people aren't prepared for, not that you're ever really prepared for this, um, but it tends to be a bigger thing that happens. Someone exposes themselves or does something that's so random that it catches even the hardiest therapist right. by surprise. And then at that point you feel very much, uh, maybe not in danger, but unsafe. Um, and then it's time to report that to the to the management. And so right. then we end up hearing about it. And so of the ones that you actually hear, how often does that happen? Um, I would say probably once a quarter, if I had to average it out, we might get um, typically more women 
female therapist that will um, bring something to the attention of the uh, management. So how many therapists are there? Uh, On staff, well, let's see, in a a typical um, day, we might have um, seven or eight therapists on. Of those seven or eight, uh, probably the bulk of them are women. So probably uh, five to six are women and a few male therapists. So we tend to hear the complaints from the... uh, Right. So if you were to average that out, I mean, eight therapists working seven days a week, once a quarter, it's actually quite little chance that you yourself or one individual therapist is going to have an event that they'll actually actually report. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I can speak for my coworkers. I've worked enough with them in the room side by side, either receiving the work as a client myself or um, with couples massage that I get to get familiar with their intake and their behavior in the room, uh, the language they use, the draping skills, all those things that may play into or have an effect on how a client may interpret our actions. Excellent, yeah. And also I noticed that you know you're, the specific idea of reporting something, like you said, like it takes a substantial amount to actually get to that point. I know that I worked in a, um, a spa for two, almost two and a half years, and I had two events that I would consider sexual advances. And I reported neither of them. Um, and mostly because they didn't get far enough for me to feel like it was something that needed to be reported. I felt like I handled them pretty well. Um, but at the same time, I think that that's worth saying. that There's stuff that happens that doesn't actually make it to the front. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Um, if we were to pick, like, two things that therapists could do to really limit or avoid sexual advances um, showing up, what would they be? Uh, well, if you're not wearing a uniform, uh, like we do and tend to do in spas, which I think takes care of the gray areas of personal fashion and in individual ways that we dress for this work, um, I think that's a big part of it, How we, that first impression we make with what we're wearing, um, especially with women. Um, it's great to have our own individual fashion and to be comfortable and to uh, brand ourselves and have a look. But um, if that look, I think, is anywhere um, to the point where the where cleavage is showing, where bl- uh, blouses and, and shirts are too low cut, if shorts on a hot day are too high, um, although comfortable, and on outside of the massage room, that may be acceptable and kind of a nonplussed look for people or women. Inside the treatment room, I, that changes when we start to dress um, in a way that I think can be more revealing and then confusing, even for one client. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing, if uh, not dress, is the language we use, how we talk, how we represent ourselves, how we talk about the work, how we respond to clients' questions, um, how we respond to clients' uh, perhaps nervousness being on the table. Does that trigger us into our own nervousness? And I think sometimes when we get caught in that little moment of awkwardness, it's a moment that we can become jokey or uh, maybe not self-edit and use a couple of words or a word that might, uh, again, work outside of the treatment room, but when you come into the treatment room, it can affect a client where they're a little confused about why it is you're saying. So, so how do they train that? How would they train themselves to edit those out to, to not get themselves in a nervous state? I think, um, and this is something I suggest with students, that they role-play with um, trusted friends or family, both male and female, um, and have a script 
Um, and we go through, sometimes we'll role play in the class and we'll have these different scenarios and we'll face each other and we'll do it on the table and we'll do it in different ways because I think once a client's on the table and undressed, it becomes really difficult to shut something down versus both dressed away from the table doing an intake or in an outer office. It becomes a little less, I think, um, 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 what's what I'm looking for, awkward or... or um, I think it becomes less threatening further away from the table. Yes. Uh, so in, in the class, we practice both to get a sense of how that might be to have a situation uh, that comes up while someone is on the table versus in the outer, um, perhaps in your desk area or doing an intake or at the finish of the massage. Um, so the role-playing, coming up with scripts, coming up with language that people are comfortable I might use language in a classroom setting that's not comfortable for a student, so I really urge them to come up with um, with wording and language and a script that they can speak to um, and really write it down yeah. and, and memorize it. Um, in the moment, it might certainly not come out that way. You may even forget what it is you've scripted and written down, but at least having some dry runs and having some of that information and some of that experience, um, talking about it and role-playing, I think gives you a little bit more of a platform, a foundation to kind of launch from versus just waiting for that day that may or may not happen. Well, I like the idea that you have them put it in their own words because nothing makes it seem more awkward than taking someone else's words and trying to make them your own. Yeah. And if you're already coming from that place, it may get maybe hard to get comfortable enough to come mm -hmm. across as, as um, natural and mm -hmm. as confident. Yeah. Uh, a couple of the ideas that I thought of in terms of avoiding um, and limiting sexual advances actually are extensions of the ones that you mentioned. Uh, the first one that I had was was around the actual the atmosphere that you create in the room. Now, I know you mentioned about what you wear, but I also think it's just as important as what's on your walls. Mm -hmm. what, what, what tone you set mm -hmm. in the room with not only the architecture and the furniture, but the lighting and the sheets and the table. Um, and the other idea I, I had around that was around what you said in terms of the, the language you use. And I think not only the verbal language, but your body language is important. Um, just holding yourself with an air of confidence and an air of, of assuredness to let them know that you are in a, in a position of power and you know it. Mm -hmm. um, so they don't feel like they can walk over you. Yeah. Uh, I think that makes it challenging is because there's so many pieces, there's so many elements that goes into holding a therapeutic space. Uh, from the words we use, from the dress, from the nonverbal cues, um, et cetera, et cetera. So can you um, tell me a little bit about a personal experience that you had regarding a sexual advance that you were happy with how you handled it? Yeah, good question. Um, let's see. Uh, yes. Quite a while ago, probably a good um, 10 years ago, it happened to be a male client, not that that's anything I make the assumption, um, but it happened to be a male client, a little younger than myself at the time. Um, and it was interesting. Uh, he kind of gave me a warning, or a warning so I thought, but I let it kind of go so I didn't make any judgment or preconceived quick um, uh, assumptions about what he was asking. And he asked, he said, can you leave a few minutes at the end of our session, end of my massage? Um, and I said, Sure. I walked out of the room, came back, and was giving it some thought while he was getting on the table. And I kind of thought perhaps that might 
be a question that says to me, I'd like something other to happen at the end of the minute, end of those few minutes, so I'm going to let you know now so you can carve it out for me. Be ready. Uh, and I thought, well, let's just get rid of that and let's go with maybe he wants the extra time for just being quiet at the table. So I finished the massage and I looked at the clock and I said, we have about two or three minutes left. Um, what would you like extra work on the feet? I kind of just went with my... Uh, plan here to play it, uh, just giving him the benefit of the doubt. He said, well, and he gestured to his crotch area, and he said, I'm under a lot of stress, and I'd you know, like some help relieving it. Um, and I said, well, uh, I'm sorry to hear that you're under a lot of stress. Uh, I was hoping the massage would be enough for you. Um, <laughs> it looks like it's not. <laughs> so um, that won't be me. In fact, it won't be any of us here at the place that I was working at the time. I said, we all are trained, and none of us that I know of offer anything outside of therapeutic massage. Uh, so I waited for him to get dressed, brought him up to the front desk, and I showed him at the time, this is back in the early 90s, um, yellow pages. I opened the yellow pages in the back, and I said, now under massage, there's all kinds of ads here. I'm going to show you some of the keywords that you can look for that I think will help you out, that offer massage. I can't speak to how good it'll be, but it'll also have other things that I think you're looking for. It'll be open 24 hours. Um, it'll have showers. And it might say, lovely, pretty girls or ladies. So look for that language. In fact, here's a few right here. Give them a call. Um, and I think what worked is I didn't let that become um, a blame game or play the victim which uh, is easy to do when someone is all of a sudden asking you to do something that you're not expected to be asked to do. Um, and is unfortunately a part, can be part of massage with women. Um, so you do wait for that day. Wow. And, here, and here it is. I have to say, that is, that is exceptional, that you went not only to the place of, I'm not going to let this get to me, but I'm actually going to help educate him on finding what he's looking for. I mean, that's the ultimate removal of judgment, right? Um, I hope I hope I can learn that lesson too. I hope I would I would handle myself in such a uh, neutral way. Um, do you have an idea of like what allowed you to to be so neutral in that moment? I think it what really helped, uh, as I said earlier, that he gave me a warning. He gave me just of an, enough of a, hey, I'm going to ask you something later. Mm. Um, and it could have been the day. I remember that day feeling pretty laid back. It wasn't really busy. Um, I didn't feel very stressed. I felt like I was really grounded and present. Mm -hmm. So I think the day was working for me, just the energy of the day and how much was going on and where I was in that particular part of my life. Um, I'd like to think I have that same uh, response now. Yeah. Um, but it's really, you know, it really can catch you. I've had other situations that um, I didn't feel I handled it as well because I got really triggered. And when mm -hmm. you're triggered, it's hard to keep your feet in the ground and, and own it. Right. I think that's part of just maturity of the work, being mature in your own life. Um, there's, I think it's two parts, personal and, and professional. And um, knowing that people are asking for touch that they're not getting in their life, maybe not getting in a, a safe way. Um, so I think for any therapist out there to to um, not take it too personally. Yeah. And this probably leads into my next question, which is, what do you think the biggest 
mistake therapists make when a sexual advance occurs? Um, to make it about them and think that this individual is really just ha- has it out for them and has has this whole design, um, which certainly could be part of it. Um, but taking it personally? But taking it personally. Um, at least that's been my experience in listening to other co-workers. Um, and, and I get that uh, because it's happening to your person. It is a, It does feel like a violation. Um, and I think for me, um, that particular day um, was a bit of a, a turning point in my, in my career. Um, and that somewhere along the way, I just got better at not making it personal. Hmm. And um, Well, we do that, right, when we, when we go to school and we start working with other students. And part of the feedback we're supposed to, to receive is, I mean, when you get feedback, it's about your massage. It's about your touch. In some ways, you can consider it about your person. And depersonalizing their comments from who you are as a person mm-hmm. is, I think, the same, has the same element to what we're talking about here, is that it's not about you. It's about what they're looking for, what they're needing in this particular situation. Mm-hmm. Right? So we talk about feedback saying, hey, um, I really liked it when you did this, um, and I know that when you did this, this made, it made me feel this way. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's not about you did this to me. It's that this action made me feel this way. Mm-hmm. To try and depersonalize it, so I think the same lesson can actually be gleaned from one to the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and these advances um, tend to happen first time, so it's not like either person, the therapist or the client, has a preview of one another. Uh, check each, you know, each other out. How does my therapist? My therapist, a pretty woman. Um, is she the gym teacher, <laughs> which is more? Mm-hmm. And I've wondered about that over the years. If I've been a little bit more fortunate because I don't have the feminine, girly, long hair, a little bit of makeup on, jewelry. Uh, my presentation is more the tomboy. I'm a little more rough around the edges. My energy is a little bit more forward. Mm-hmm. I think um, perhaps that served me. Um, I don't mean to be tough, and that's not, not that look I'm going for, but I'm wondering if that's kind of seen the way I am, my overall personality is allowed me to kind of go through this work and not had as many advances compared to other co-workers that are more feminine and girly, if you will, mm-hmm. in their length of their careers and having to deal with situations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this, the clients judge us, the, we, ju- we judge each other the moment we meet each other. Yeah. I have had plenty of clients that come see me and, and uh, they're distrustful of me because of my age. Yeah. And they think that I may not have enough experience to be able to help them out. Yeah. And it's it's uh, something that I have to work past. Mm-hmm. I usually work past that in my intake, right? Mm-hmm. And through through that exchange of dialogue, they understand that I'm actually fairly yeah. knowledgeable about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that I actually have the opportunity to help them. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that, you know, these these pr- kind of prejudgments that clients get the moment or two that they meet us... Um, uh, they happen, and um, it just means we have to be a little more um, clear in our presentation um, if we want to move through that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so let's move on to a question from our listener. Um, our first question is from Stephanie from Oakland, uh, who says, I have a client who has never really crossed a boundary with me, but I'm always nervous that something will happen. During sessions, he will often watch me and occasionally let out a sigh, it could just be re- relaxation, but to me, it feels creepy. What should I do? 
Should I let him go as a client or ignore it? I don't really want to wait for something bad to happen, but I don't want to make a big deal out of nothing and lose him as a client if it's totally innocent. Now, I, I, I get this, right, because there is a gray area where people are finding a relaxation um, and they're letting go of stress and people do make noise. Um, and some people do have odd habits during a massage, whether it's fidgeting or staring up at the wall or looking at the therapist occasionally. But um, what would you say about this? What would you, advice would you um, give? Well, with the information that I have, um, I, I want to just extend what you're saying. I think it'd be really easy to read between the lines when people are behaving in a way that doesn't make sense to us. And I think a lot of that for folks, um, in this case, I'm making the assumption, and I think it was my client I would make the assumption that control is an issue. You know, needing to know where we are and what's happening in the room, uh, feeling safe as a client, that might be one way for this individual to gather that information is to literally watch the therapist. Um, if it feels like it's something that's more of a... Um, that the client is looking and staring... Mm-hmm. Uh, to objectify the therapist, um, that's a tough one. And um, that's a conversation if she feels like it's a client worth holding on to and has other areas that are positive and would like to grow and work with this client. I think this is the point where you have to make a decision to confront that client about the behavior, and that needs to happen outside of the treatment room, off the table. And it's something they might want to approach the client and say, I've noticed that you've been watching or looking as I move about the room, and I have to say that makes me a little uncomfortable, and I just want to inquire and ask why that is. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of approaching it. I noticed when I, when I read this question that the, there are really two only, only two options that she presented, and the first one is to ignore it, and the second one is to let them go. And there's not really any mm-hmm. in-between, which is funny because the question is about something that's in-between, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that you know, if there's a question, obviously she's not comfortable. And if she's not comfortable, it shouldn't move forward as is. Mm -hmm. Something needs to change. And I think that you're right, having that conversation. And the way you put it actually was really quite elegant. I hope hope she listens and and takes that advice. So I think that it's really important to to, to have the conversation, even if it's a difficult conversation, Mm -hmm. um, because that will will expose what is actually happening underneath. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they can have an honest conversation. And in that honest conversation, she may discover that what is ha- happening is actually quite innocent, and then find relief in that. Yeah. And then suddenly, everything that is currently happening can continue, and she no longer feels unsafe. Yeah. And the person can have the experience that they're looking for, and she can feel good about it. Yeah. Or she finds that it's actually nefarious, or that they, they do have an ulterior agenda, and then she has a clear clear path to letting mm-hmm. that client go. Yeah. So I think that's your answer, Stephanie, is... <laughs> As uh, Stacey put it, have that nice conversation, even if it's challenging. Yeah. All right, Stacey, well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if there is there is any way that uh, people would like to get in touch with you, how should they do so? Um, probably the easiest thing to do is my McKinnon. Um, I don't have a website. I'm not that fancy. Uh, my McKinnon Massage, so it's Stacy at McKinnon, M-C-K-I-N-N-O-N, massage.com, C-O-M. Um, happy to receive emails, questions that you might have. Probably the easiest way. Right. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Enjoyed it. Bye. Thanks for listening in today. 
I hope you were able to find some valuable nuggets in this conversation. Please join us again. And if you have any questions or comments, or you want to learn more about today's guest, you can find more information through our website at howsthepressure.com. Until next time, be well and take care of yourselves.